God bless you and welcome to part two of Conflict 101. For those of you uh, who don't know what 101 means, it's just a, a term they use for college courses that are basically an introduction to a topic like Biology 101 or Sociology 101, the first course. So this is just a foundational, uh, basic introduction to this issue of conflict. Last week, we spoke about conflict within the body of Christ, within the body of believers, the community of faith. And today, we're going to talk about conflict uh, outside these four walls. Amen? I know this doesn't apply to you. You guys don't go through conflict in the workplace or at home or in school or in the neighborhood. Amen? But one day, if you do go through conflict, I hope you can come back to this study and just go over some scripture. Amen. I'm going to read from Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. Say, its stand. In other words, they put it on a platform where the light can shine best and where the light can be seen. I believe truly that sometimes God allows conflict in our life because that's a platform where his light was going to shine in the midst of darkness. So sometimes we're trying to get away from conflict. We're trying to avoid conflict at all costs. But when it does come, it's an opportunity for the light to shine. It's a stand. It's a platform where God can just be glorified in us and through us. Amen. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me read you a few more scriptures. Philippians 2, 14 and 16 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the night or stars in the sky. Stars are not just for being. A wondering and wow, what beautiful stars, but stars are guides in the sky to lead people where they need to go. Amen. So you and I, our testimony in the workplace, our testimony in the neighborhood and wherever God has us is a testimony of shining lights in the sky. First Peter 2.12 says, live such good lives among the unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. 1 Peter 3.16 says, So that those who speak maliciously against you or against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Let's talk about three rays or three uh, uh, aspects of that light that should shine outside these four walls through the life of every believer. Number one, reliance on God. For those of you taking notes, number two, re reconciliation. And lastly, respect. All right? Reliance on God, reconciliation, and respect. Reliance on God. Every conflict is an opportunity to submit to the Lord's leading and his kingship or his lordship. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Say all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways. Say all your ways. That means in conflict and through peace times, all right? Submit to him and he will make your paths straight or he will direct your paths. Submit to him. Submit to his leading. Submit to his lordship. Sometimes we want to submit to just his leading in the midst of the conflict 
in the midst of this battle that we're going through. We want him to be Lord over this situation. But God wants to be Lord over all of our heart, not just our circumstances. Say amen. amen. So the first point under this reliance on God is when we come to God to trust him, when we seek his face, we want him to deal with the issues of our own heart. Before just complaining about our co-workers, before complaining about our bosses and our job situation, we say, God, look at my heart. Here I am. Expose anything that's unlike you. Jesus, shine the light on me and see if there be any wicked way in my heart. I don't want to trust you with partial uh, of part of my heart. I don't want to trust you partially and just trust you with getting me through this conflict. I want to trust you with my whole heart and I want you to have free access and reign into every corridor and every hallway and every nook and cranny of my heart because you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So I want to come to you and say, Jesus, this heart belongs to you. Come and rule and reign in my heart. Show me, show me anything that I need to learn in the midst of this conflict. Sometimes God allows us to go through conflict so we can see issues in our hearts that we would not be able to see if we weren't going through the fire. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Matthew 7, 3 says, why do you look at the speck of, of sawdust in the brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your eye? Sometimes we just see the speck and that speck just gets us so irritated. We can't understand why this brother or this sister or this coworker or this boss has such a speck in their eye. Can't they see it themselves? And when we come to God and we begin to rely on God, we begin to open up our hearts to him and say, God, I yield to you. And he begins to shine the light on our own hearts. It's when we were able to see that plank in our own eye and we're able to uh, be humble before God. Amen. Sometimes we go through storms because uh, the enemy is attacking. Sometimes it is the enemy that attacks us and the enemy that, that uh, comes to, to, to come against his children. And, and we could be in the perfect will of the Father going through a storm like his disciples on the boat. I believe it was an ordained storm, as it were, so that Christ can appear to them and they could be, they, all their fears could be conquered when he speaks to the winds and to the waves. And Peter could learn how to get out of the boat and walk towards Jesus and keep his eyes on Jesus. I, I believe those are ordained uh, conflicts, ordained storms that we go through where God is going to be revealed. But sometimes we're in the midst of a storm of our own doing because we have been disobedient and we're running from his presence like Jonah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You remember Jonah in the storm? That was not, uh, uh, that was not the enemy coming against him. That was God trying to shake him up and get his attention. The interesting thing about it is what Jonah was fleeing from the presence of God. Now, this is a prophet. We've said it before. He knows that God is everywhere. He knows he can't run from the presence of God. But what he's running from is that place where he has to rely on God, where he has to yield his heart in the presence of God, where he says, God, expose any area in my heart. That's what he's fleeing from, because that's where God wants to deal with the issues of his hatred towards the Ninevites. Are you hearing that's where God wants to expose these things. In fact, in the whole book of Jonah, it's God pleading with him, dealing with the issues of Jonah's heart. At the very end of the book, he asks Jonah, why are you so upset? Why are you so upset? Is it because the sun uh, withered this plant and now you feel the heat of the day? Why are you so upset? He's trying to get to the issue of Jonah's heart. And God, guys... You and I have to rely on God. We've got to seek God in the midst of our conflict because he will ask us questions. He'll begin to say, why is it that this is bothering you so much? 
And you'll have to be honest before God. And he'll deal with issues in your heart. Why does it bother you so much that your boss treats you this way? Why is it, does it bother you? Why, why is it getting under your last nerve the way this coworker treats you or, or speaks to you? And he'll begin sometimes to shine the light on our hearts. And we'll begin to see areas in our own hearts. And we'll be realizing that we're judging somebody for something that we have harbored in our own hearts. I don't know if you're with me. The Bible is full of people who went through things like you and I. On the workplace, in our neighborhood, with our family, with our friends, with co-workers, with fellow students. Uh, but the Bible is full of real people who just turned to God. And said, God, show me my heart. God, be God in my heart. Are you hearing what I'm saying? David, David had a boss that would invite him to the office every once in a while. And not long after that invitation, he would throw a javelin and a spear and try to pin him to the wall. I don't know if some of you can relate to a boss that invites you in and all of a sudden is attacking you. I don't know. Daniel, like we heard on Tuesday night, had some co-workers, right? That accused him and that were full of jealousy and strife and contention and try to bring accusation to, uh, before the king. So this, this book is, don't even get me started on Joseph's uh, boss's wife, all right? But um, the Bible is full of examples of how conflict comes beyond these walls, beyond the walls of the believers. And, and God gives us the grace to draw nigh unto him and rely on him in the midst of every trial and every conflict. It's there where we could tell, tell the difference between whether it's the enemy or it's our own heart. If it's our own flesh, if it's things within our own heart that are causing this conflict. It's in the presence of God. It's when we're relying on him that he can expose issues of our heart. He can tell us, you're argumentative. Yes, there's strife and contention, but look at you. You're always arguing. You always have to have the last, the last word. And, 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 and that's why you're, producing, you're just fanning the flame of this conflict in the situation. Can you be silent? Can you be silent when you need to be silent, slow to speak, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. We won't know that. And none of us are going to admit, oh yeah, that's me, that's me. Unless we're in the presence of God. That's where we're humbled. Amen? We won't know if we're slacking on the job. Even if our boss is telling us that. Unless we come into the presence of God. The, the boss can tell you you're slacking and you'll just be so spiritual. You're rebuking that boss and you're saying, I rebuke you. You're coming against the Lord's anointed. I'm a child of the king. But, and, that, and the issue of strife is our, our own slacking on the job. It's not the enemy trying to attack us. It's that we're not hearing the voice of God coming through our boss. Ay, ay, ay. Parents, we're trying to be God sometimes. We're trying to do what the Holy Spirit is sent to do with our kids. And we're trying to hammer the gospel over their heads. And we're pushing them away from, from God. And we wonder why there's so much conflict in the home. And we don't realize that it's our own doing. That God wants us to be gentle with them and tender with them. Like God is gentle and tender with us. Amen. It takes faith to trust God with our children. It takes faith to trust God with our loved ones that are lost yet. We want to harass them into the kingdom of God. So we could say, I won them. I won them to Christ. No, you didn't. 
It's always the mercy of God that brings someone into salvation. Amen? It's the mercy of God that we have to appeal to. Secondly, we let God deal with your, our hearts, but we seek God's perspective. That's why we rely on God. We need God's perspective. We need God's point of view. Those that wait upon the Lord, they, they rise up with wings as if an eagle to see things from God's perspective, from higher. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Amen? In the midst of our conflict, we need God's perspective. We need God's wisdom. We need God guide us. I don't want to do things that would hinder your testimony in the workplace or in my neighborhood or among my family. I want you to be honored. I want you to be glorified. God, give me eyes to see people the way you see them. Give me grace to see my employer, my employees, my coworkers, my fellow students, my peers, my neighbors the way you see them. I want to see my children the way you see them. I want to speak to them the way you would speak to them. God, forgive me if I'm doing something that dishonors you give me grace let the weight of your glory your tenderness your goodness be upon my words as I speak into the lives of my kids so they may see the future and the hope that awaits them I don't want to be judgmental over them and trying to bring them to my standard I'm reminded when my daughters play music that I'm saying what in the world is that how could you listen to something like that I just want to tell them that I want I want to tell them are you kidding me and and I get critical over the lyrics and over the the, the stuff you know that that you're hearing uh, but I, I sometimes fail to remember that I, used, I couldn't even understand what I was listening to when I was a kid. I had no idea what I was singing. And I was singing it loud. And my dad never interfered. He never judged me on that. And here I am standing proclaiming the goodness of God. Because my parents prayed me into the kingdom. They didn't harass me into the kingdom. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God give us grace to be the parents that we're called to be. Amen. Teach us, God. Teach us. Give us your perspective. It's not about his perspective, her point of view, my point of view versus their point of view. And that's the conflict all, all focusing. And maybe I should understand their point of view better so that I could, you know, uh, settle down a little bit. No, we need to know God's point of view. Are you hearing? In the midst of our conflict, we need to know God's point of view. Sometimes we're just want out. We want to escape. We want out of the job because there's conflict. We want out of the marriage because there's conflict. We want out of everything, all of our responsibilities, out of a ministry, out of whatever the case may be. We want out of a neighborhood because our neighbors are now uh, giving us problems. And we said, maybe it was a wrong move. I shouldn't have come here. But you get God's perspective, my friends. Get God's perspective. He may be telling you, stay put, stay put. When everything within you is screaming, escape, escape, get out, find a new house, a new job, find a new career, new, new this knew that and God may be saying stay put I've got a platform for you so that your light may shine in the midst of the darkness in the midst of a wicked wicked and cruel and crooked generation amen let's seek God for his perspective point two reconciliation we are called to be ministers and messengers of the gospel of reconciliation second Corinthians 5 18 and 19 all of this is from God who reconciled us, first and foremost, us. He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message 
of reconciliation. It's, it doesn't matter if you're in full-time ministry, part-time ministry, if you're in any ministry at all. You and I both are all called to this ministry of reconciliation. If you are saved, God through Christ reconciled us to himself and now has entrusted to us that same message of the gospel. That good news that we can be at peace with God. That we could be at peace with the Father. That this wall that divided us called sin was taken care of on the cross. This is our message. This is our life. How can we proclaim it if we're always at war with our neighbors, at war with the people on the job, thinking that this is just the trials that we go through because these are the afflictions of the righteous. My friends, we are to be messengers of peace, messengers of the gospel, of reconciliation in the midst of whatever conflict we may be going through. Amen? He goes on to say, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We're not just there on the job. We're not just living in any neighborhood. We are Christ's ambassadors. Therefore, number one, we could initiate the process of restoration. Well, uh, I'll forgive him if he just comes and acknowledges he's the one that started this mess. No. God says, you're a messenger. You're a minister of reconciliation. You can be the initiator of the process of restoration. Matthew 18, 15 says, if someone sins, go and point out their sin or their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Go you privately. Don't make a big scene. Don't tell everybody about this. Go over and deal with the issue. You two alone to win them over, to win them over. Go in grace. Go in, 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 the, in the tenderness of Christ. Go. Not with a pointing finger. You did this. You did this. You have to repent. No, but go and win them over. That's not going to win them over if you're just pointing their sin out. And then in Matthew 5.23, it says, if you're bringing an offering to the altar and you remember that a brother has something against you, not you against them, but they have something against you, go and be reconciled and then come and present your gift at the altar. So whatever the case may be, whether it's us that have caused the offense or somebody who has offended us, God calls us to be able to be the initiators of restoration, to take the first move for the sake of this relationship, for the sake of this soul, for the sake of this life, to go and make things right. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Amen? We want to share of the goodness of God. We want to share of, of, of this this, this testimony, it's not good that we remain silent. It's not good that we just harbor the, 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 the conflict in our hearts and we just pretend it'll go away, it'll go away. It's, it's not good. There were four lepers in the in book of 2 Kings, chapter 7, if you want to look at it later on. They, they're, they're outside the walls of the city. There's famine in the land. Everybody's starving. The enemy has surrounded the camp of the people of God, and it's just starving them. They're, they're saying, you can't come in or out because we're watching you. You're going to starve in there until you surrender to our forces, right? And the lepers just have this crazy thought, and they say, you know what? Let's walk into the enemy's camp. Like, what are we going to do? If we stay here, we die. If we go there, we die. Let's, let's just risk it. Let's, let's have faith. God is going to do something. So they start walking into the enemy camp. The enemy's camp flees because they hear the presence of God, the power, the armies of God. The enemy just flees and leaves their tents and leaves their riches and leaves their food and leaves their garments and leaves their jewelry and everything else that they leave behind. And they can't believe it. They, they think they're dreaming. They go into the tents and they find all this stuff, these riches of the end, the spoils of victory. They find the spoils of victory. But all of a sudden, the fear of God comes upon them. 
as they're delighting in the midst of their chicken, uh, 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 whatever, drumstick right in their mouth or their turkey drumstick or whatever the case may be. They're enjoying this roast pork there or whatever that was on the fire there. They're enjoying this stuff and they're licking their lips. But in the midst of it, I mean, they're saying Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You know, they're singing the songs of Zion. They're like, whoa, and to us, the lepers, the ones who don't deserve it. We didn't even have a weapon on us. God has given us the victory. In the midst of that enjoyment, there's conviction. There's conviction. And something comes upon their hearts that says, it's not right what we're doing. This is the day of good tidings. This is a day of the gospel, of good news. It's not right for us to just enjoy the spoils of victory and leave the other people starving. This is what God is speaking to us today. It's not good for us to just drink in and drink in and drink in, but our life is to be a testimony, to share the goodness of God wherever he takes us. It's not good for us to enjoy just the spoils of victory and not share them with our brother and our sister and our coworker and our employers and everyone else that God puts in our way. Amen? So we initiate that process of reconciliation and restoration. We target the problem and not the person. This is one mistake sometimes we make and we just cause more strife and more conflict to arise because we target the person. and we, we attack the person because of what they did instead of the problem. I'm reminded in Genesis 13, Abram has a problem with Lot because the herdsmen, the, the shepherds of Lot were having a conflict with the herdsmen of Abram. And Abram says to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and my herders because you and I are close relatives. You choose whatever you want. You want to go this way, I'll go this way. A, 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 just a, a plan of peace, a plan of a settling the issue. If you go this way, I'll go this way. If you go this way, my herdsmen will go this way. You, take, you choose the land. You have per, first picks. And, and, and Abram desires to restore the relationship. That's what's important. My friends, relationship is more important than resolution to the conflict. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes we're so bent on going after the resolution. This got to be resolved. No, we got to take care of this now. The Bible says, go, go talk to them right now. We have no, no delay. And we go and we attack the person. And what we're doing is tearing them down and we're, we're closing doors in order to, to, to share the faith with them later on. The resolution is not as important as the relationship. Yo, you're my coworker, man. I, I, I want to be at peace with you. You know, I want, I want, I want this to work. You know, uh, they put you here and they put me here, and it's not a coincidence that we're here working together. Let's work this out. This seems to be the problem. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Not just, uh, dude, you, you're doing this, and it's getting into my last nerve. You know, you, you, you. you <laughs> Can't you see what you're doing? No. Reaffirm that relationship. Reaffirm that relationship. Show them it's important to you because they are important to you. And they should be. If they're not, we should be seeking God's face. To see people the way God sees them and not like moving trees. Amen? The relationships are more important than the resolution. Let's go on to point three. Respect. Everybody say respect. Going through conflict does not justify being disrespectful. You may be going through conflict within your own heart. doesn't justify you slamming your kids and being harsh with your wife or your husband. doesn't justify it. We need to get into the presence of God. We need to ask forgiveness. We need to show tenderness and kindness. There is no, there's no uh, justifying or being disrespectful 
even if we're going through conflict. 1 Peter 3 says in verse 9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. It says on the contrary, repay evil with good. Okay? Verse 15 says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Let him be the Lord of your heart. Let him be the king of your heart, in control of your heart. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this. This is in the NIV. It says, but do this with gentleness and respect. We're called to speak to one another with respect. No matter what race, no matter what position they have, no matter what uh, political affiliation they have, we're called to respect in this day and age where nobody respects authority, we're called to respect authority. We're called to move in a different way than this world moves. I'm a teacher in the elementary school, and I've seen parents walking with their little preschooler, and they're cursing the teacher out. How dare this blankety-blankety teacher? What do the school think that they are? And then we wonder why this kid doesn't respect authority in the classroom. And all they're learning is disrespect. And God is calling us to move in the opposite spirit. To speak in the opposite spirit. Amen? Let's talk about this respect. First point under that last uh, point. Respect boundaries. Deuteronomy 19.14 says, Do not move your neighbor's boundary stone. In other words, if this is the marking, this is the boundary, don't. Don't cross it over. Don't, don't move it and try to get a little bit more for your advantage. Leave it there. Respect it. Respect. I'm going to tell you, sometimes the walls of conflict rise up because we don't respect boundaries. Because there has been a boundary there set and we've wanted to cross the line. And therefore, they, the conflict arises and the walls come up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then we're marching around those walls and saying, come down, come down. Those walls come down. When we ourselves are the ones who have caused those walls to rise up. I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody here. There are walls of authority that, that should be respected. They should be respected. The Bible talks about authority being God's appointment. God appoints authority. And it was Paul talking in a day when the Romans were, were in charge. The Roman Empire was in charge. We're talking about a, a, a people who are not godly at all. And yet he was saying, respect them. They, they bear the sword. They don't, they don't bear the sword in vain. They bear it for, to, to hold a peace. Okay? Now, if you're doing right, you shouldn't fear that sword, he's saying. And he was saying, respect the authority, the position of, of that place just because you're a child of the king doesn't mean you barge into the office of the of the employer and just demand you to, to hear your to have your case heard we don't do those things we, if, even if we say we're doing it in the name of the lord because god is giving me boldness <laughs> don't blame it on god don't blame your disrespect of boundaries on a god who's calling us to respect boundaries Your workspace. You, you could abuse the boundaries of your workspace. Oh, we're sharing this together, you know. That microwave. Did you ask permission? Is it, it's her microwave. Why are you putting your stuff in there without permission? Simple things. But God is saying, you know what? Respect the boundaries. Be kind to one another. Just because you work in the same office doesn't mean that his scotch tape belongs to you. 
And his stapler, you can use it to staple whatever you got to staple. I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody. But <laughs> this, this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a heart that says, God, I want to respect them. I want to respect them. Like I would want to be respected. Amen? Like we said before, respect the speed limit. James 1.19. Quick to listen. Slow to slow to speak and slow to anger. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity, every platform that God gives you. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. God gives grace. Say that. God gives grace. Paul, before the high priest, he gets slapped in the face. And this outburst comes out of the Apostle Paul. Who? The Apostle Paul. The one who wrote practically all of the New Testament. And this outburst comes. And he says, God smite you. And this harsh word comes after that. And then they say, how dare you speak to the high priest like that. And he, he kind of like catches himself and says, oh. I didn't know he was the high priest, but I'm sure the Holy Spirit smit Paul later on and says, even if it wasn't the high priest, you shouldn't be talking like that to anybody, desiring God to smite them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And this is the apostle who God told him, my grace is sufficient for you. And he's telling you and I, my grace is sufficient for you. To take over the way you speak. To take over your heart and the anger that wants to rise up in the midst of the conflict. His grace is sufficient to make us a testimony where he has placed us. To God be the glory and the honor. He gives grace to deal with people with respect. Oh no, but respect has to be earned. No. Yes, your, your respect and my respect. We need to earn it before the outsiders. But we don't wait for people to earn our respect. That's not the way God calls us to live. Amen. We walk with kindness. Because kindness can change a heart. And this is my last point. Kindness has the power to change a heart. Romans 12.20 says. Do not, it's talking about not taking revenge. Not taking matters into your own hands. Not taking the sword and beginning to fight your battles in your own strength. But putting it back and responding to God's grace. And says on the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. The message, the translation of the message says. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. You being kind will surprise your attackers, surprise your co-workers, surprise those uh, around you because of your goodness. One commentary says, as metals are melted by heaping coals upon them, so is the heart softened by kindness. The heart is softened with kindness. There's someone on my job, I'm not going to mention this, I'm not going to say who it is because this may reach somebody's ears, but <laughs> who has a problem with Something that we do, we're, we're in our little place of work, and has come fuming, fuming to, to complain, fuming. Like you could see the flames, you could see the, the smoke. <laughs> and, um, and God has given me the grace to deal kindly. And I'm, I'm not boasting, I'm not all there yet, okay? I need grace to deal with the kids. 
more than I, I do need for the adults, okay? The kids test my patience and my kindness more than the adults do. But I'm, I'm just sharing this because it's true. And I've, I've been given the grace to deal kindly with that person. And, uh, and that person oftentimes asks me for prayer. They're not a believer. They're not believers. Every, every time I pass this person in the hallway, are you remembering me in your prayers? Are you remembering me in your prayers? I, I've never preached to this person. I've, they've never heard me preaching from any pulpit. Kindness has melted their hearts. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Kindness. Kindness. At home, with your kids, with your spouse, kindness. Kindness. It's the heart of God. It's the heart of God. It's the way we move as believers. Kindness. It, it doesn't come naturally. You, you, it doesn't come. It, it goes against, especially when we're in conflict, it goes against the very inclinations of our own heart. But God is calling us to live in the supernatural. We heard about it this morning. He gives power, power to live right. Amen. He gives power to speak right, power to deal in kindness. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 21. Jesus Christ was our example. And with this, we close. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Have you made threats? Have you retaliated? Have you found yourself in that place where you're fighting the battles that God wants to fight for you? Have you taken revenge and, and done things that dishonor Christ and taint his glory? It says, instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So the altar call this afternoon is just to entrust your life. For anyone who needs to entrust their life, entrust their conflict, entrust their situation into the judge, judge's hands, the judge who judges justly who does things right and according to his purposes, which are higher than our purposes. If we could stand all in the house as the band and the musicians play, as they lead us in worship, we're just calling you to bring your conflict before the Lord. Like Hezekiah brought that letter, that threatening letter that came to him. He said he laid it out before the Lord. He just brought it right there. He didn't try to fight this thing in his own strength. It was a threatening letter. We're not minimizing the intensity of your conflict. We're not trying to say it's nothing. It'll just pass. It's, it's, it's nothing. Get over it and go on with God. No, you may be going through the battle of your life. But this king just brought it before God. He laid the letter out before God until God spoke to him. I'm inviting you this afternoon to bring your conflict, bring your situation, bring your weaknesses and the tendencies of your own heart and your own mouth and your own understanding before God. Say, God, I want to trust you with my whole heart. I don't want to lean on my own understanding. I don't want to see this conflict just through my eyes. I want to see this through your eyes. If that's you, come and we're going to pray for you and believe God to give you the victory in Jesus' name. Let me pray with you along these same lines that God would just give us the grace to remain on the wheel and let him, the potter's wheel, 
and let him fashion and form us and make of our situation, our circumstances, and our hearts whatever he wants to do. He's good. He's good, and what he's doing is good. In creation, everything he did, first day, second day, he would just stand back and say, man, that's good. That's good. And he looks at your life, and even though you, you're dizzy because you're spinning on the wheel and you're going through the conflict of your life, he's looking at what he's working in you and what he's going to work through you, and he's saying, it's good. It's good. I've got a word for those who want to escape. Hold on. Hold on. Don't leave until God gives you the green light. Are you hearing? Don't let conflict chase you out of any place. You hang in there. I wanted out of an assignment they gave me years ago. I wanted out. I was saying, I'm going out. I was accepting applications. For, for, I was looking for where to go. I was out. But I was praying. And God was saying, you just hold on. Hold on. And it, because I stayed, because I, I stayed put, even though I didn't want to at the time, God began to deal with my heart and began to melt my heart for kids that I wouldn't have cared less for if I had just gone somewhere else. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you just hang in there. God is going to work it out in you and through you, and you're going to give God the glory. You're going to give God the glory. God, give us the grace to stay put first and foremost in that secret place where you can deal with the issues of our hearts. We don't want to be like Jonah running from your presence. God, deal with pride in our hearts, deal with arrogance, whatever, self-righteousness, whatever the case may be, anything that we're throwing into the flame of conflict, dear God, adding to the flame. God, whatever it may be, dear God, we're asking you to have full reign in our hearts. Give us the grace to lock that door behind us and get alone with you. Get alone in your word and let you speak into the areas of our heart. God, give us great grace to remain on the wheel of the good potter, the one who's making vessels of honor and glory for your namesake, for your namesake in this generation who doesn't know, who doesn't know their left hand from their right. Raise up an army of people who walk in the opposite spirit, who walk in the spirit of God. Lord, do it in our hearts. Do it in our hearts. Begin in us. We say begin in us. Let our lives be agents of change. We want to be ambassadors in our neighborhood, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools. Wherever you take us, dear God, let your light shine before men. And we thank you for this. All of us will give you all the glory and all the honor because we know that it comes from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.